Thrill Me. This show is part of the Thrill Me Podcast Network. Experience more on Facebook and YouTube. Welcome to the Hockey Show Podcast. I'm Nick. And I'm John. Uh, we usually have something depressing to talk about each episode. I wanted to kick it off uh, with it this time around, oh. Nick. You know the music world a lot better than I do. What can you tell us about Shane McGowan? I don't know anything about What? I, I don't. This Whatever bit you had set up is about to fail hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But we'll... we'll We'll let you edit that. Uh, uh-uh, man. I mean, it's, it's stated. <laughs> fighting, fighting Jameson's fan Nick Pearl doesn't know Shane McGowan. Oh, the there we go. Now I'm with you. Okay. Um, oh. Yeah. I I heard that news. I was a little sad. You know, just because I was it's... like, oh, okay. I, I know his music because it carries on, as you mentioned. The band I play every end of every show, the Fighting Jamesons, Irish rock band. So I've come across his music through hearing other bands sing his songs. Yeah, man, he, he uh, quite an interesting life uh, for this guy. Uh, openly talked about regretting having never joined the IRA, uh, which is a take. Uh, was also, uh, you know, ha- very open about addiction issues that he had had. Uh, Ireland's president, Michael Higgins, said he'll be remembered as one of music's greatest lyricists. Uh, sad to see him pass. And, uh, you know, may- maybe instead of uh, closing with Fighting Jameson today, uh, we can close uh, with, uh, what's it called? Not streams of whiskey. There, there's a there, there's another really good like anti-war song they had. The band played "Waltzing Matilda." That's the one. Just throwing it out there. We'll see what we can do. We're not. We'll see what happens with the advancement of this show and what music we, we have license to, <laughs> or what music we have free license to. Just because the guys are like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's not illegal if you don't get exactly. Um, yeah, I meant to uh, text you that day because I know you're a big you're a big Irish rock guy. Uh, you love that type of music, I so I knew that that was probably one of those ones that. Although I feel like you and I have had that conversation before about like celebrities passing and the way people react and kind of how sad people get. I don't know. I feel like that's a conversation you and I have had. Yeah, that's like a weird parasocial thing yep this that seems to take place (laughs) what what celebrity death hit you the hardest Uh, i will say this maybe that's the this past year it was peewee yeah peewee was big for me uh robin williams hit me really yeah yeah a lot so i feel kind of weird because everybody always says robin williams and i'm like that hit me but i guess it, it I don't know. It didn't hit me like the way, like when Pee Wee died, like I legit was just, I need to go out to my car. I need to be alone. I'm just going li- to listen to the Danny Elfman score right now. Like I kind of just need a moment. Um, I called my mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. So many people were like that. And I was like, I was really sad because I liked Robin Williams work, but I guess it didn't, it didn't hit me the way other people have. 
Well, like Robin Williams is, I think, hit me so hard because of the way he died and the reason behind yeah. it. Just like found out he had, I want to say it was Parkinson's, and just like neglected to, t- or not neglected, decided to take his own life instead. It was just like, oh, yeah, that's makes me feel gross. Um, yeah, I know, I know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, it it sucked. It was bad. It was bad. Hey, welcome into uh, speaking of things show. That, <laughs> speaking of things that make me want to take my own uh, life, the NHL draft, the National Hockey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go. Let's go into the draft now. Let's just let's just move on. All right. Um, what yeah, celebrity death made you sad? Hit us up on our Twitters. Uh, stick around to the end of the show. We'll tell you how to contact us because we don't want the hate yet. Um, the <laughs> NHL draft. Uh, we learned on Tuesday is heading to the sphere in Las Vegas. The uh, site is now official. So what's weird is when I saw this story break, I was like, wasn't this all supposed to happen at T-Mobile arena? Didn't the NHL also decide that nobody was going to the draft anymore? Like what is happening? What, how is this? Uh, But I guess (laughs) T-Mobile arena, the home of the golden Knights, also became unavailable because UFC decided to host a card there, which so I don't know. This was this was just kind of funny to me. Uh, we know where it is, but the whole situation around it was funny because it seemed very NHL. Yeah, and in one sense, if you are able to book the spear for something, then I suppose you're not falling completely flat on your no. face. Uh, and, and I, I honestly would have expected that, you know, if T-Mobile arena is not available, then they will just go over to the Bellagio or so just something who, who would have thought it would be easy to find another event space in Las I Vegas. Know, right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that'll, that'll possibly be cool. If they ever pick up our idea of hockey con, right. Uh, there would be a lot worse places to do it. This is the one to do it at. This is the one to kick it off and, and turn it into a thing. I mean, it's going to be June 28th and 29th. It's already two days. Just add a third day. Do something yeah. really cool. Do uh, do the whole, you yeah. know, meet a legend. I'm, I'm sure Jeremy Roenick has nothing else going on. He'd like to go out there and shake some hands and make some money. <laughs> yeah, we, we can... We can... <laughs> Have a hard-hitting Q&A interview with him. That would, that would be, be a blast. Uh, yeah, so that's all we're going to talk about with the draft. There's really nothing else to talk about. But speaking of things that are fun, you said fun. Let's get into what I think is the most fun uh, place to have your eyes right now around the league. And that's the West, dude. The West has been a blast. Uh, I, me- I messaged you today. It was like, dude, I want to talk about the Coyotes for a hot minute because the Coyotes have been on a roll five wins in a row, but the past five wins have been against the last five cup champions and they haven't been wins. Like they've been domination. Which like who put this schedule together, (laughs) right? At Vegas, uh, home versus the lightning home versus the avalanche home versus the blues and, uh, shutting out the caps at home. Uh, yeah. Logan Cooley and the rest of the Coyotes looking pretty good there against some pretty serious competition. Yeah, and they're sitting as the wild card one, uh, twenty eight points, twenty four games played. Uh, the the they so wild card one, wild card two. I think is either is one point behind them, but then Nashville is sitting 
at nine and they're like four points, five points back. And let's be real. Like looking at all the teams that are nine, 10 and 11, Seattle's the only one there that I'm like, if they could string something together, could make it. But I don't know, man. I feel like the West is starting to kind of, we're seeing a little bit of settling in of what to expect out of the West and the coyotes. I called it at the start of when we started this back up, I said, the coyotes were a team that I think were, were, were a close bubble team that they buy into their coach. They buy into the what's, what's being said there. And truthfully shouldn't be this good. Shouldn't string off five wins in a row like that against team against Vegas, Tampa, shutting out uh, the capitals, but the capitals might have some other things going on there. I mean, just saying yeah the uh yeah and it's not just a one trick pony for them so to speak now in the sense that one you know they're it, it is you know enough to be said that they are genuinely trying this year which is more than you've been able to say about them for some previous years uh but you know this off season they go out they get a bat dumba they get jason zucker they get some people that maybe aren't like the highest end of talent anymore, but you could still put something together with them. Alex Kerfoot's another good example. And uh, it's kind of paying off. Now, part of that is going to be because as everyone mentions, uh, the Pacific's a pretty weak division, but you know, making a, a playoff push is going to be big for this franchise. Uh, I can't, honestly imagine what it would be like to have a playoff game at mullet arena that would be so cool but i think that would be cool i would want to find listen out. i know it's not a popular take around the league because it's funnier to point and laugh at like a five thousand seat arena for an nhl team and how embarrassing that is but let's be real that five thousand five thousand like true coyotes fans in a playoff game that's an arena i don't want to go to Unless it's Vegas, then you know the Vegas crowd's going to end up overtaking it. It's going to be like 4,000 yeah, Vegas but fans like, to 1,000 Coyote fans. But yeah, like we like, like we talked about last year, as they lean into that kind of like college atmosphere yeah. a little bit, having the band and the student section, just like, I didn't think about that until now, but like the idea of them putting together a playoff appearance there would be something to pull. It's, it's, it just, I think it would be, uh, you know, I think people have not leaned into how cool this could be. Uh, I think a few people have leaned into it and those, and you know, where like, I'm one of them. I, I believe you're one of them. I don't think you've ever really complained about mullet arena. I can't remember you doing that, but like there's very few amount of us that are like, this is cool. And this could be utilized in like, a great way for building the fan base with that college fan base there that kind of will, you know, a lot of them might end up staying there for jobs. That's what happens. You go away to college, you end up staying where you, yeah. or where you graduated from. <laughs> uh, you know, not all of us can pull a John and get out of there. Um, <laughs> some of us did. And then we're like, I want to go back. Um, yeah. There's worse places to exactly. end up. Exactly. But, uh, but yeah, but, so uh, I think it could be a blast. Thing. Yeah. I feel like we like semi adopted Vancouver <laughs> last year. We like we might have to semi adopt the Coyotes. Oh, I love the Coyotes. If nothing, if nothing else, just to like be able to show, uh, to to show what that playoff atmosphere would be like. There, it is. 
if, if nothing else, aren't you curious what ticket prices will end up looking like that's, for playoffs at a college arena? That's like, what I want to see. I want to see like where they're like where they do like the four pack with like the hot dogs and the and the soft drink for the college. And, like, yeah. Show your show show your Mac card <laughs> and get like you know a free beer or something like that. Um, it would just I it would be so rowdy and so fun. But I, I'm. I'm loving it. I've been tuning into more Coyotes games as well. They're just a fun team to watch. And it's funny when you mentioned uh, Dumba, uh, remember when we were all like, oh, where do you think he's going to end up? Where do you think he's going to end up? Because inevitably the Coyotes are going to kind of falter. And But they've just maintained. and, and They might be buyers at this point. Yeah, which also could you imagine? Um, I know Ottawa is playing good tonight. Of course they would. Um, but... Could you imagine Coyotes getting in? Chikrin ends up going from Arizona. To, is Chikrin the issue? Was it Chikrin? <laughs> was it always Chikrin? Was he holding back the Coyotes and now he's holding back Ottawa? Him, him and Ekman Larson both. Uh, <laughs> Did we yeah, figure they, out the issue? <laughs> so, so here's the here's the other thing to consider about the Coyotes is they have three second-round draft picks this year. Mm -hmm. They have three third-round draft picks. Next year, they have four second-round picks. Year after that, they have three second-round picks, which, like, having a whole bunch of picks and a whole bunch of kicks at the can sounds good in theory, but you can only have 50 contracts. Oh, my gosh. Um, That's great draft capital. Yeah, if if you're going, but if you want to go out and add for a playoff yes. run, you're you're not necessarily going to miss a lot of these picks. No, no, you're not. And and I mean that's that's great trade bait. Everybody loves that. How many guys do you get for second, third round picks that end up being those those playoff push guys? And this is the thing. It's the way to look at it as well is Arizona doesn't have to be, you know, we could talk about the best team in the league, but how many times did the president trophy winner end up winning the cup? It doesn't happen that often because when you get to the playoffs, it becomes a tournament in all leagues, it becomes a tournament. So all you're trying to do during the regular season is get to the tournament. And by the deadline, you're trying to position yourself to make a tournament run. So, I mean, Arizona is going to be interesting to watch. They will be buyers, but what do they go out and get? Are they going to, you know, because they got a pretty good team, but is like Tarasenko on their radar? Is Elias Lindholm on their radar? You know, does all of a sudden Arizona become the destination to go play for a playoff run? It'd be fun, but... Another team, though, that they are trying to catch. Oh, sorry. You have a final thought on Arizona? Well, the the only other thing for them I was going to mention, uh, aside from just I don't think we've emphasized how impressive this five-game winning streak has been for them, uh, is that the, the team that's ahead of them in the Pacific is the Kings. Yes. The Kings have played three less games than them and are still three points ahead of them. Yeah. So realistically, like, you're probably not catching the Kings. But can they stay ahead of St. Louis and Nashville and Calgary and Seattle? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Looking looking at what they had left, like, like or what they had left, uh, who's behind them and chasing them, it seems it, they've positioned themselves in, in a spot that, 
I don't think many people, including myself, honest, honestly, I thought they would be fun. I thought they would be gritty, and they've been that, but they have definitely pulled out more wins than I expected. This five-game winning streak, you're right. We haven't emphasized how impressive it is enough, but it really was the driving factor for me to say, I want to put it on the record on this show that I'm, I'm on the, the Coyotes bandwagon here. Like, yeah, I'm I, into this. I love this. Higher. You were higher on them than I was to start the season. And I'm so happy and, it's and paying like, off. I, it, feels I, good when, it feels good when one of your like bold predictions starts paying off. You're like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, like, I thought they'd be better than Chicago. So I didn't think they'd be worse in the division, yeah. but I didn't expect too much more from them out of this. But hey, in a year where like Nashville, Nashville could put something together, but they haven't looked great. Uh, St. Louis is still taking a step back. Minnesota's clearly struggled. Like, someone's got to step up and take advantage yeah. of it. And clearly, the Coyotes have done yeah. that so and, far. And good for them. Uh, now you mentioned the team that is ahead of them, and uh, that's that's who we got to talk about next. Uh, the L.A. Kings, another team that many people I was I still thought this was a team that was good, and damn it, they they proved once again in the offseason, making a couple moves, adding three pieces, and it's been paying off for them so far. So so there's. Two key parts to what they did this offseason. Uh, the first key part of it, it was after they moved on from Jonathan Quick last year, uh, they brought in Cam Talbot on a $1 million deal uh, to share net minding duties with Phoenix Copley, who, to be fair, Copley did kind of save their season last year when they didn't have any other goaltending options. But if you're going to uh, the guy that couldn't get any net in minnesota uh you might kind of say well they're clearly just phoning it mm -hmm. in uh but similar to what you saw from vegas in the playoffs last year sometimes if your goalie's just good enough then that's gonna be enough to carry you through uh now it's worth mentioning as i you know say all this about you know you just need this guy to be good enough uh right now so far for the year Cam Talbot has a 926 save percentage out of 15 games, which would be above average most years. But for a year like this, that's completely unheard of. And the other big move that they made was they <laughs> traded for uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, which was a move I didn't particularly care for. And I thought it meant you were giving up on Quentin Byfield and just sit uh casting him aside almost uh Dubois currently playing on their third line and they're uh Philip Deneau and Anze Kopitar are ahead of them and that is a pretty strong set of centers to have for a team that's a yeah. real serious depth there if someone gets injured you can move things around a little bit like there's a lot of flexibility to be appreciated out of that and they put quentin byfield at wing on the top line upside of opposite of adrian kempe and that has been a revelation for him so far this year uh byfield's played in all 21 games that they've played so far uh he has six goals 18 points uh is really just starting to look like he's having that breakout season even though this is his fourth year in the league 
And given where you are with uh, the Rangers and everything that you've been preaching as far as patience goes with their prospects, was curious to what you thought of seeing that out West where finally someone that maybe didn't click right away like you would expect a second overall pick to uh, is starting to really come into his own there and kind of like how patient are you supposed to be with prospects like this? I think it depends on the prospect. Uh, I think it depends on the position and, and what you envision for your future as well. You know, uh, in the Rangers case, it's been Lafreniere first, Kako second in the conversation, but the kids need to take the next step so that a team that's in a position, a little bit of a cap crunch can have a top six winger for an entry level deal still on a restricted contract, somebody who's still team friendly, so to say. So I really think it comes down to the organization and what, what your goal is. I think in LA, you know, they haven't needed to worry about that because you still have some of those aged veterans there. Uh, what I think I saw, uh, what's, what's his name? Um, Fiala. Uh, no, not Fiala. Uh, oh gosh. Um, Kopitar. Uh, yeah. He just set like the record for most points or whatever it was, something like that with the Kings. Like, yeah, uh, he just broke. Uh, he he just broke the record for points for Kings. Yeah, yeah. So they they've always that's still a top guy for them. So they still have those top six players. So I think you can hold off and not have to worry about those prospects. You know, it's not a team where you're throwing that guy. It's not Connor Bedard in Chicago. Or Jack Hughes, yeah. his first year with the Devils. Let's be real. That first year with the Devils, where Jack Hughes is now. Looking rough. Yeah, it, it, compared to now, yeah. It's it's like, uh, there could have been questions there, but he took the next step and became the franchise player that we all knew he eventually would become. So. And, and I think over time, uh, like GMs have become a lot more cautious about giving up on a player, yeah. so to speak. I mean, like... For every, you know, for every, uh, like, Philip Zadina or uh, Nail Yakupov or players like that where you expected a lot out of them and just let them move on and nothing came of it, uh, I don't think people remember those stories as much as the Martin St. Louis or Brett Hulls of the world that you had for a little bit, not to pick on Calgary. Uh, that you had for a little while, then they completely blossomed once you traded them away. Uh, the Red Wings, my favorite example for them, had a guy by the name of Adam Oates, you may have heard of. Had played four seasons. In, yeah, he played four seasons in Detroit, didn't do much of anything. Uh, they traded him to St. Louis, and he had 102 points the next, that first year with St. Louis and goes on to have a Hall of Fame career. So when you're going to move on from somebody, you got to be certain or there's a good chance it's going to end up costing you your, your job. Yeah, yeah. I, and you're right. There is there is always a timidness to do it, uh, to, to trade that first overall pick. It happens sometimes. You know, it's what we've talked about it in the past where the percentage of those first round picks that even make it and if they do make it pan out, 
it's not as many as you think. It's not, you know, 31 first round picks are not making it to the NHL and having Hall of Fame careers. It's just not, it doesn't happen. You know, maybe out of those 31, 32 now drafted, um, yeah, 32, uh, drafted, you know, maybe 12 of them make it. Maybe one or two of them actually become like superstars. You know, it's that every year on a good year, year, you know, you don't get, it's not often you get a year where it's, you know, you're tanking for Eichel or McDavid, you know, you're not doing that every year. And, and if you're Montreal, hopefully you see what happened with Nico Heischer. You see what happened with Alex Lafreniere. You see what happened with Quentin Byfield. And you look over at Yuri Slavkovsky and say, hey, if he hasn't put it all together instantly, it's fine. Mm-hmm. He'll come along. He'll develop. He'll, you know, get a chance to make a to have a fair crack at things here. But the but I'm also just curious, like, what do you even do for a player whose entry level deal is up like that? Like when you know there's something more there, like you clearly can't pay him a ton of money. Like, what did they do with Lafreniere for his second? Uh, Well, thankfully, he didn't blossom into what he's become this year where in the top six minute spot where he actually looks like he belongs. Uh, so they just kind of bridged him. I think it was like two point something or whatever this past off season. But uh, I mean, I, I was going to say the Rangers are good at, but a lot of teams are really good at doing that. You know, Hey, take the two year deal or the three year deal at this while you're still under restricted terms and you're going to get your payday at the unrestricted but, um, you know, the cap is going up next year, uh, rumored to be $4 million. I don't know if you heard that. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the Board of Governors met this week, and apparently that's what was discussed. Um, if you flash back to this time last year, we thought something very similar, uh, and turned out that did not come close <laughs> to coming to fruition. So we'll, we'll, we'll maybe pump the brakes on on that but it is worth mentioning that quentin byfield is on that uh is on the last year of his elc and so if the cap's going up four million dollars a lot of that might be going. i could see well okay so i could see him signing like a three-year 3.5 something like that so yeah the four million go up essentially erases what you're gonna pay him and then whoever else is coming off the books, because uh, this is the last year for Kopitar and all of them, right? Like, this is, they come off the books. It's got to be. I believe it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and uh, Dustin, uh, <laughs> all of them, right? All... Actually, you know no, you know what? You know, I'm wrong. They extended Kopitar That's this right. year. He has two more years at $7 million. That's right. They did. Well, it's, it's, it's uh, less than what he was making, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. But, 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 but then, so... That that maybe that's what you do with it. You isn't get Drew Doughty's ten million off the books? Uh no, Drew Doughty goes to twenty twenty seven. Ouch! Ouch! And, and so, and did we did we talk about when he? negotiated his last deal i believe i don't i don't remember if we did the show then but props to him for pulling that off 
Well, maybe not so much because he got rid of his agent and just negotiated it himself and tried to make it out like this was this big money saving move that he was making, which like I get if you're paying 3% or 5% or whatever they pay agents, uh, that percentage of $11 million is not an insignificant amount of money. Uh, the problem was people on Twitter looked at the way that it was the deal was constructed and almost immediately said, oh, yeah, if he gets bought out, he's going to lose like $50 million. So yeah. hopefully for his sake, that does not end up coming to fruition. I don't know that L.A.'s in the spot to where they would need that cap space, uh, but man, that could be bad for Drew. <laughs> it could be like the last year of his deal. Or the yeah. last two years potentially because all you i i mean i say this a lot with contracts when you look at a contract you know somebody signs like six years uh it's typically four years you're looking at because around year three they're starting to do that like hey what what are the teams you're willing to accept the trade to uh give us that list of teams yeah. where you know we're looking to move you uh and then if they can't move them eventually they're like well with two years left we'll buy them out because We'll have like three or four years of, you know, we'll have the cap space this year and then we'll kind of, as the cap continues to increase, because remember, it always increases every year, no matter what they say. Um, of course, so there's no once in a lifetime events that would completely pause the entire. Event. No, not at all. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah, I, uh, that's, you know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but but the the other thing that ends up with them is that they, uh, you know, if you can't trade them, you don't want to buy them out, uh, you just get them to Arizona where they're on long-term injured reserve. That's true. Good way uh, which right now, right now, Arizona has the contracts for Jakob Voracek, Shea Weber, and Brian Little. I didn't even know Shea Weber who I completely was forgot paid. was on yeah, LTI. I, I forgot Shea Weber was even still being paid. Yeah, for, for two more seasons after oh, this. Uh, but, God, you're like, I wonder if any of them, like, see the Coyotes going on a run and decides, like, you know what? I'm actually feeling yeah, okay. Yeah. Maybe I can. Here comes uh, Shea Weber's big return, <laughs> finally. All those years, Montreal been waiting. <laughs> Here he's <laughs> coming back. He's going to hobble his way on out there. We knew it would work yeah. once. Um all right, so if you haven't been watching anything in the West, keep an eye on it. The Kings, Arizona, it's pretty fun out there. The Blues are really fun as well. I was watching the Blues-Vegas game last night. That was really fun game all the way down to the wire. Um, one of the teams, though, out of the Central not having a good time, uh, Chicago. Uh, we talked about it last yeah, week, so I guess let's just get the update on it with Corey Perry. He released his statement. He's officially been bought out released I, I i don't know i saw the article about it his contract's been terminated it's very interesting because what you told me he's heading into uh what is it uh rehab right the, uh, the player, player assistance, assistance program, program. which yeah. yeah and from his statement i don't, i don't know what to gather from this because we still really know nothing which just keeps intensifying the rumors and people doubling down on he must have slept with somebody's yeah, mom. <laughs> well, I'm sure he did at some point, sometime in life. But the uh, yeah, the statement did does specifically mention uh, you know 
this wasn't something that involved any other, you know, teammates or their family. Uh, and then at the end, it, he's he's basically just very apologetic and feels that he's, you know, embarrassed and let a lot of people down. Uh, he does specifically mention, uh, you know, my behavior was inappropriate and wrong. Doesn't say what it was specifically. I guess we just may not end up ever knowing that. Uh, but does specifically mention uh, working with experts in the mental health and substance abuse fields to discuss his struggle with alcohol and to take whatever steps necessary to ensure it never happens again. So the one thing that I think is interesting will come up from that is usually when a player has a substance abuse problem, they the NHL leans more on the side of providing help than it does providing punishment. It's treated a lot more as a health issue than it is a, you know, uh, behavior enforcement issue, for lack of a better term. So I part of the question kind of becomes here, his contract was terminated first, then he went into the program. Doesn't that seem backwards in that sense? So, so it's like he clearly did something really bad and the blackhawks know they're under a microscope so they took all appropriate steps to address it but i if you're the players union i wonder if you're not encouraging him to file a grievance just because of the precedent that this sets i i don't know i it is interesting because as you point out like typically going into that program means your contract isn't terminated. You, you still get paid. So it's, it's all really confusing because we don't know what happened. And I respect the fact that we don't really know what happened. Like nothing says we have the right to know anybody that feels we need to know. No, we don't have the right to know. This is something that clearly everybody wants kept private. But until we know, it's just going to create a lot of speculation and a lot of confusion because, you know, again, seeing a contract get terminated, but a player go into a program where you're not allowed to do that, but there's no grievance being filed, it's all really weird. And if a grievance gets filed, that's where I'm really going to get confused because you admitted to fault. You're admitting as well in your statement that the decision was 100% in your opinion, you feel it's valid. So I don't know if you really do have a grievance at that point, but I'm, I'm, I don't know. It's, 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 it's such a weird situation, but I think it really comes down to because we don't know what actually happened. We're just going to be left sitting there assuming the worst. Yeah. And the, the one instance that came to mind for this was Mike Richards with the LA Kings mm. uh, got stopped at the border with a bunch of pain pills that he may or may not have, you know, supposed to have had. Uh, and when the Kings found out, they terminated his contract immediately. And it just so happened to be a contract that he was being very much overvalued and overpaid for not really delivering a whole oh, lot of yeah. results with it. So Mike Richards filed a grievance and, uh, and by all means, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm fairly certain he won some sort of settlement. I believe he did because it was clear that this was, as you said, it was clear it was uh, we got to get rid of this cap. 
yeah it, it was clear clearly a uh you know hey here's an opportunity yeah. rather than yeah so I I could I could perfectly well see a world where Corey Perry is you know genuinely remorseful and embarrassed and uh, doesn't want to fight his contract being terminated, but the union comes to him and says, "Look, man, like this could potentially be setting a precedence for younger players down the line. Yet you, you gotta you gotta at least pretend to fight this for yeah. us." Yeah. I, I, it'll be interesting to see. It, that's for sure. It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Uh, I just, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's not going to go away. That's for sure. Yeah. But what, whatever it is, hopefully Corey Perry's getting the help that yeah. he needs and the damage to whoever else was involved. Wasn't, isn't going to be like a lifelong thing they have to do. Yeah, with absolutely. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, let's talk talk a little bit. I didn't really want to talk about this, but I have just seen so much conversation around it, and that is the heart contenders. And I didn't yes. want to talk about it, but it's kind of bugged me because what I've seen a lot of is Artemi Panarin seems to be a lock for this year's heart trophy, or Panarin is should be top of the list for the heart contenders this year. Um, I'm not sure about that. And honestly, I think he deserves some recognition. Yes, he deserves some recognition. The Rangers have clearly been the best team in the league this year so far. Uh, But has he really been the best player in the league? Is he really the guy that we should be saying, oh, that's clearly the heart? Like, yeah, the Rangers are rolling because of Panarin. There's no doubt about it because Mika Zibetajet has not been putting up Mika numbers but Crider's been putting up good Crider numbers. Fox is Fox since he came back. Like, yes, the Rangers are... Lafreniere's whole career has been resurrected. So so from your standpoint, you're saying there's a lot of different things happening on that team that would point to their success. Absolutely. Uh, Now, yeah, Panarin is definitely scoring at a high rate, but is the heart trophy really all about the guy that's just scoring at a high rate or is it about the guy that's providing their team with the best chance to win and really is the most valuable player now now my thing has always been the way they vote on the heart trophy is that you basically you have to be a playoff team for it which i think is kind of ludicrous uh but you could also probably argue that a goaltender should get it each year so, uh, in fact, do you remember the last time a goalie got the heart trophy? I actually do not remember the last time. I know I, I was ready for if you asked me the last time a defenseman got one. Do, do you remember the last time a defenseman It got was one? in 2000 when Chris Pronger won, and before that, you had to go back another 28 years. Do you know who won it then? 20 years. 28 to, years was it Paul prior Coffey? to that. No, 1972. Bobby Orr? Yes, Bobby Orr. Uh, so in yeah. 51 years, only two defensemen have won it. Uh, that mattered for a different reason that we'll get to in a minute. But when's the last time a goalie had won it? Uh, Carey Price oh, in 1450. Okay, so it actually happened before so, defensemen. More recently. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but but then you know the last time a goalie won it before Carey Price was Jose Theodore in 2002. And so then before two. that, it was going to, yeah, yeah. So, so 
in that period of time, same number of goaltenders and defensemen. That is wild. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, you could always make a case for the goalie because there have been years where, like, Connor Hellebuck should have won it a couple years ago. Oh, my God, he absolutely should have won it a couple years ago. He was the only reason Vancouver made the playoffs uh, and typically is the – or not Vancouver, Winnipeg, and typically Winnipeg. is the only reason. I was yeah. going to let that one Yeah, go. well, one of those <laughs> Canadian teams. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, he's pretty much the reason why the Jets typically make the playoffs. So you could argue for him, but – uh, I mentioned the defenseman thing because honestly, I think this year, if anything, and I know you have the same list in front of me that's more analytics and looks at it, but I agree with it, is Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes right now should be the top two people that we're talking about for the Hart Trophy. Yeah, and and for me, when I think about the Hart Trophy, most valuable to your team kind of like puts me in a position to say, what does this team look like without this mm-hmm. player? Uh, if you take Quinn Hughes off of Vancouver, uh, they're struggling this year, but they are, but you know, you have Elias Pedersen at Brock Besser. They're going to kind of JT Miller you know, has been some amazing this year. Uh, boy, what if someone said he needed to be traded to Arizona <laughs> last year? He'd look silly. Now. Uh, but yeah, realistically, Colorado without Kale McCarr this year is would have would be right down there with Arizona or excuse me, right down there with Minnesota and Chicago in that division. And, and that's not to say anything's been bad about Nathan McKinnon, but I think just missing Landis Cog and the Jonathan Druin uh, revenge tour not quite working out the way they were hoping. Uh, like Kale McCarr has been, has typically been in the situation where he can just step in and be that guy for him. And it's so rare to see that out of a defenseman. And yet I think you can make the argument that he's more valuable to his team than Kucherov is to hit. Yeah. Oh, oh God. Yeah, absolutely. Because with that Tampa team, while Kucherov kind of drives the offense, uh, you know, 40 points this season. He's clearly going to break a hundred this year. Uh, and probably is going to end up leading the league in points. But I, 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 when I think of that team, though, I still think of everybody else that's there. Stamkos. I think of the fact that they just got back Vasilevsky as well. So it's kind of a well-oiled machine there in Tampa. But I, I, I agree with you. I think Kale McCarr is really the reason why the Avs, like, yeah, they might have won the Cup like two, two years ago, three years ago, whatever it's been now. Um but, or one year ago, whenever, whenever they won it, got him. <laughs> whenever they won the cup, it's, I'm having one of those moments right now, right? It's been a long day. Uh, it's all right. But, but whenever they won the cup, like, that's not the same team. That team is very different. They're still a good team, but when Kale McCarr is in the lineup, they're a team to fear. When he's not, they're, you know, you can go toe-to-toe with them. Uh, now, Quinn Hughes, I think, has had a great year as well, and I think he has been maybe better than Kale McCarr defensively at least. But it's right there, Matt. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and and like I said, a lot of it has to do with supporting cast. And maybe realistically when it comes time to vote on these trophies, neither one of these defensemen might get that recognition because they have such a good supporting cast around yeah. them. It's not like 
Eric Carlson, where his production has been like one of the few bright spots for the Penguins this year. But of course, the Penguins probably aren't going to make the playoffs with the way they've been this year. So you, you that's maybe kind of a moot point that I'm making here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, lo- looking at Don Lucision's article, which he has a very analytical approach to the whole thing. He has like a predictive model that he works with and he constantly updates based on the data that the league has given you so far this year. Uh, but his, uh, his top three Norris is Kale McCark, when Hughes, Eric Carlson. So he, it, it's, it's clearly trending in that direction for defensemen. It's just kind of like surprising to see some of them rank so much more valuable to their teams than forwards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think defensemen get overlooked a lot. Um, especially in this league where, you know, it's kind of starting to go back. Uh, it, it's, it's becoming more offensive driven. Uh, I am curious, by the way, I haven't seen any numbers on it where scoring's at compared to years past, because I feel like this year has been kind of like last year where we've seen a lot of, a lot of high scoring games. I don't know. I haven't seen much, you know, last year it was something we talked a lot about with where scoring's at this and that. But this year it seems kind of yeah. very quiet. Like nobody wants to have that conversation. Yeah, like last last year it didn't really hit me until like I saw the average save percentage was like 908. And it's just like, oh, okay. So there's just an insane amount of scoring across the league when I've used to the average being like 920. Yeah. So it so the I I think that scoring has been about on par with last season, which I don't know. Last season was the most exciting season we had had in a while. Yeah. I felt like you couldn't turn off a game. There, no lead felt like it was safe. There were so many come from behind victories for teams. It was, it was a lot of fun to watch with it. Uh, but yeah, is, is there any other trophy you want to dive into while I have the article here in front of no, me? No, that was really the only one just because I've seen so many people throwing out Panarin's name that I was like, we. I, I need to throw out names that people really should be kind of paying attention to. Although what's wild yeah. is that if the Rangers do end up as the president trophy winners, I could see Panarin winning the trophy because of that. Because the pace that he's on right now, he's going to end up having a career high in points. He's going to break 100. He's he's clearly on that path. Let, let, me, let me put this out there for you. Uh, because obviously without Kane, without Tarasenko, I think a lot of people would assume this year's Rangers team was a step back from where they were last year. If the Rangers maintain this pace or a similar pace, does Peter Laviolette deserve consideration for the Jack Adams? Uh, oh my God, you ought to set off Washington fans so badly, don't you? Uh, <laughs> well, because because uh, back Mike Babcock before he you know completely imploded as a human being, or John Cooper, or a lot of these coaches don't end up with a lot of consideration for the Jack Adams. It almost seems to default to the most improved award or team that overperformed everyone's expectations you know what i don't think his name might get thrown out there but i don't think he ends up getting even in the top three because the rangers were still considered a playoff team they were still a desirable team there there's a window there you know the schisterkin effect and all of that 
uh, Mika and all of them being there and Panarin. So it's not the craziest thing to see them go from being a hundred and something point team last year to, oh, now they're, they're president trophy winners or they're one of the top three teams in the league this year. And they won and they, so there were some, I thought it was crazy because I really didn't think that I figured they would be battling it out with the devils again for that two and three spot. I figured it was Carolina's division, but there were some people that did say that there was a path for the Rangers to win the division. And now they're sitting in a pretty decent spot um, in that division. And, you know, just one of the top teams in the league that I'm kind of was taken aback by that. Yeah. And the, and it's been weird how like consistently decent Philadelphia has been while at the same time, just like consistently not decent. (laughs) the devils have been. yeah yeah they've um that that goalie situation there has not been really good for them yeah well granted the devils do have games in hand on the flyers but they also have three other metropolitan teams between them as yeah. well so i don't know it, it's a that's a weird situation that's happened with them this uh, year maybe Lindy ruff shouldn't have gotten that contract extension well, well, similar to what you, we well, said. Well, they've been having some injuries, so, right? They, they've had some injury issues. Because I know Hughes has been out of the lineup. Heischer, Heischer was out for a while. Yeah, Nico Heischer was out for a little bit. But, yeah, I don't know that New Jersey's goaltending has been, like, no. abysmal. Uh, it definitely hasn't helped them win any games, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, I do you have any other notes? I know we talked some other things, but I got nothing else on my note sheet over here after that. So, I I I had a fun thing I wanted to talk about a little. Okay. Bit. So, watching Michigan Wolverines win the Big Ten title for the third <laughs> year in, the, in a row, uh, and I, I, naturally I started thinking about hockey. Uh have you ever heard of the Paul Bunyan Trophy? No. Have you ever heard of the Little Brown Junk? No. Of course not. These are things that, like, Michigan fans would specifically know about. Like, the Little Brown Jug comes from when they played Minnesota one year and, uh, like, bought this at a general store to, like, hold water for them, and they accidentally left it behind. And I don't remember which team did it, but one of them was like, hey, you know, we left this behind. Can we get our jug back? And the other team was like, no, play us for it. And it's just become this like this trophy that they paint the winner on each year and all this nonsense. And then like the Paul Bunyan trophy goes to Michigan or Michigan State and it's just carved out of wood. And the governor made it one year for like the two teams to have for it. And it made me think if the NHL could have like regular rivalry trophies that got awarded to, the, to where we talk about hockey being so much more regional than it is like a big, you know, national thing. Not everyone's following along with what's happening with Phoenix or the flyers or whoever. They're usually just focused in on their team. What if we gave them something else to focus in on with their team by giving them regional rivalry trophies? Uh, I mean, isn't that what the divisions and all of that already are? You know, you try to win. To, to a degree. To a Why degree, they always raise a banner for we won this division. Yay. 
so 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 you're coming at it from a point that this would be a participation trophy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I didn't say that. I did not say that. <laughs> uh, if you did, you wouldn't necessarily be wrong. Uh, but I just thought it would be a lot of fun if, like, the Flyers and the Penguins had the Keystone State trophy. And it's a, a trophy that's made out of Keystone. I don't know exactly what that is. The fracking trophy, it can be called. That's Buffalo. And yeah, yeah, but the, but you figure out, you know, at you know, whoever wins the season series gets a chance to, you know, hold on to this trophy for a year. It's bragging rights. It gets the local fans a little bit more excited about it something for them to follow and then you know even if both teams are terrible that's still something or you know the flyers went to the playoffs and the penguins didn't yeah but the penguins held on to the keystone trophy that year and you know i don't yeah, know no, I, I, I see what you're doing i i like what you're doing i i've seen it before i mean hella uh, in in a way the nba currently is doing it like now with that in-season tournament thing where Everybody got now that I don't understand. I, I trust me, man. The Knicks are in the semifinal game, and I'm still trying to figure part of it out. But from what I gather, it was they put every team like in certain like divisions and regions, and during the season, there were dedicated games to all right. This is like game one of the tour of this Group A, Group B, Group C, Group D, and then it play it worked kind of like the international where the more points you score the more games you win the better it is because if you both end up like three and one but you scored like you know oh god i can't do nba numbers in my head of like what four games and a hundred and something if you scored the most points and you were tied with the other team your more points yeah. got you the first place and you ended up as the one seed to the two seed um so you do it round robin, and then that becomes a – is it single elimination? Tournament? Yeah, single elimination. So they all played, like, something like four or five games in their bracket or whatever it was in their group regions. And then and those, those were just, like, off in regularly scheduled. Regularly scheduled regular games. Uh, and then those broke off into – this is where I think it got all weird and where it turned into, like, and now new games play because – now you've got like the one versus four games and this and that while the rest of the league is playing. And then it's a neutral site for the in-season tournament championship being in Vegas. Um, again, a little weird, but it, something that has drawn eyes to the sport where you're kind of like, what's going on over here? There's tournament stuff in the season as well. Um and to another extent, in baseball, it used to happen with the Mets and the Yankees a lot. Uh, back in the, like, 70s and stuff, they did the Mare Trophy game where the two teams played and oh. the winner got a tro got the Mare's Trophy for the year. So uh, the Mets used to win that a few times. Uh, so, you know, it was one of those things where, like, Mets fans could be like, ha-ha, it doesn't matter, we missed the playoffs, we won the Mare Trophy, we're the best team in New York. Uh-huh. So like there's there's what something there. Though? Did they just stop? It, it's when when the team when when baby brother is winning a little bit more, you kind of don't want to do it anymore. Um, <laughs> oh no, the 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 big brother is losing to baby brother. We're done. We don't want to play this anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> we don't want to do this, this and, exhibition and, game anymore. <laughs> and, 
And what I wish you had a better way of doing this is have like the Golden Seals Memorial Trophy that's all three yeah. California teams, yeah. or the Empire State Trophy that's Rangers, Islanders, Sabres, something like and that. Dallas. The the pro eh, the problem with that is the skyline from there. It's like yeah, yeah. Think about the, the Jersey the problem Jets. that I would see with <laughs> the problem I would have with like a trophy that gets shared among three or more teams is that sets up a way of of being like well if the islanders beat the rangers tonight then they win the empire state trophy but if they lose then it goes to the sabers who aren't here tonight so we don't get to do a trophy presentation or it it would just be awkward you know like it just i i i don't know if there's an easy fix to that yeah I mean, I like it's it's an idea. I like where you're at. I I mean, it draws it, it can help create or rebuild rivalries. It can help create different rivalries. Like it's 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 an idea, and this league is void of many good ideas. So. Leafs and Cubs meeting in the poutine. Yeah, bowl. yeah, I like that. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, that's all I got. You got anything else? Yeah. Um, Nino Niederreiter yeah. got an extension. That's All cool. Right, good for him. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's bounced around to a lot of different teams lately. So it's nice to see him get someone, even if it's Winnipeg, like he's getting a chance to stick around for a bit. Somebody wanted to maybe have a little more stability. Yeah, somebody wants to play in Winnipeg. Good. Yeah. And, you know, $12 million over three years probably That's helps. Not a bad deal. Take the money and run. Yeah. I think I heard that in the song. <laughs> not a not a Shane McGowan. No, no. <laughs> uh, bringing it all back. Yeah, there you go. Um, all right. Well, uh, I guess uh, look at us doing it in under an hour. So uh, hit him with the plugs, John. Uh, you can find me on X, formerly known as Twitter, uh, and my username on there is at JT Evans. The numbers zero. And I'm wonderful underscore radio. Until next week. Bye. Thanks, guys. <laughs>